it's time for Dodger Hi everyone and welcome to the Dodging Sleep podcast. We're recording this on the 27th of June, uh, wherever and whenever you're listening to us. I hope you're having a very pleasant day. Uh, my name is Ian Carlson. Uh, on this day in Dodgers history, back in 1980, uh, Jerry Roos faced only 28 batters to no-hit the Giants um, at Candlestick Park back in the day, uh, with the Dodgers winning 8-0. Um, sadly, shortstop Bill Russell's errant throw um, on a Jack Clark grounder with two outs in the first innings deprived Roos of tossing a perfect game. But nevertheless, uh, taking an 8-0 win over the Giants is pretty good with the no-hitter to boot. Um only two of us this week. It's back to the Ian and Ian show. So joining me, we've got Ian Blees. How are you doing, Ian? You had a good week? I've had a good week. Very, very, very busy. But uh, I finally got to get back on the baseball diamond today with my beloved Liverpool Trojans. Um, so the, the, the guys have been doing really well for the season already. Before I played today, we were sitting with a uh, three and one record. Um, played against Cartmel Valley Lions today. Both of us are probably among the favourites for the title, along with the Sheffield Bruins. But we came away with a sweep today, so we're now five and one for the season. And I can honestly tell you that I had absolutely no positive effect on the result whatsoever. The guys carried the old timer, and I just, uh, you know, it, oh, you know, I, I've had plenty of um, iffy days in my time, but uh, certainly hitting wise, I just felt like I couldn't couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo to uh <laughs> so, so, so they, they they brought you in as the old guy a bit like a bit like dodgers bringing in albert Pujols. is that kind of looking for that kind of positive effect um uh, yeah maybe <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> definitely in my prime i wasn't even anything close to the british baseball equivalent of albert Pujols. um but uh it yeah, look, it's just great to be back on the field. Honestly, you know, I've, I've missed a few games with, uh, I had to self-isolate a few weeks ago. Um, and then uh, I had to work the England game because I, I run a pub. Uh, so I've, I've missed the, the opening the opening weekends of the season. So it's just great to get back out there. Some of the great to see the guys who've been practicing really hard, who've been training really hard uh, and obviously playing for the last few weeks. And they just look like a really solid unit. And uh looking to have another run at the title. So we'll see how that goes. But we're not talking about the Trojans. Sorry, uh, we're talking, <laughs> we are talking about the Dodgers, so I will be quiet about them. Yeah, well, I was just thinking you were just talking about another run at the title, which sort of which segues very neatly into what we should be doing for the Dodgers, but seem to be uh, struggling with a little bit at the moment. So since we, um, since we last podded, we were swept by the Padres. It was their first sweep against us since 2013. And, and the reason why we have the bleep machine on standby for today's podcast, because certainly partway through the week, I was expecting every other word to need bleeping out tonight. Um, but yeah, so we lost to them. We are currently, uh, though, 2-1 up in a four-game series against the Cubs, having been no hit uh, in game one. Um, well, let's just face up to it and let's just talk about it. I mean, it would be lovely to be talking about having swept the Padres again and be three what three and up against the Cubs, but we're not. So let's just let's just face up to it. What what were your thoughts on the on the weekend? Um, so one of, one of the things we've been talking about recently is uh, how the no hitters have dried up. 
I feel like whenever we talk about things in a positive in a positive light, uh, or, or or with a particular intention in 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 mind, the baseball gods just gather against us and they make us look foolish. So there's obviously not been any no hitters, and then all of a sudden, the Dodgers get no hit. Now, um, not really a no hitter. You know, it wasn't thrown by one. wasn't thrown by one pitcher. It was a it was a team unit. But actually. You know, imagine being the person who lets the team down on that one. So it's still an achievement. And listen, the Dodgers lineup uh, is is still a solid hitting lineup, even with the even with the injuries, um, and, and even with people coming back from injuries, it's still a good hitting lineup. So all credit to the Cubs. The other thing that happened that day is, of course, we jinxed the hardest uh, pitcher to beat in baseball in Walker Bueller. Um, who we spoke about having a, I think it was a seven and zero record, and yep. not having lost, not having lost in a long time, uh, and well, that went out the window as well. So um, that's that's the particular thing with the Cubs opener. Um, I think the Cubs were uh, after that four and zero against us for the season. I'm pretty sure they swept us earlier uh, earlier in the season as well. So I'm pretty sure that. They would have been four zero against us at that point, and my brother-in-law is um, would would just be having a, a, a an amazing time, uh, reminding me of this when I finally get to meet up with them in person in a, in, in a few weeks, uh, a few months, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, the the week has been pretty horrible, to be honest. I think one of the things that um, I pride myself in. Uh, and it made me. It makes me realise that we can all be guilty of being fair weather fans. But I've always dug out the highlights. I've always watched it. Um, and this week, with the results being what they were, I have not. You know, aside from, aside from you know the odd little nugget here and there, I've, I've just not been seeking out the the highlights. Uh, you know, up until uh, up until the last couple of days. Uh, so it makes me realise that. As much as I like to consider myself not a glory supporter, I definitely don't support them any less. I just don't want to watch my boys taking a beating. So, mm. um, so given the chance, uh, given the chance to to avoid it, I've not been staying with the games being on at three and, and with work being back in full flow. Uh, I haven't been uh, watching the games in the middle of the night as much as I as I have done for the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough week to be a Dodgers fan for sure uh, I'm glad that we're sort of starting to uh, turn the corner a little bit hopefully um, the highlight of the week for me um, beyond and, and, and I think this is bigger than this is bigger than Bellinger's walk-off home run last night um, but those of us who keep an eye out for things noticed that Jock, Jock, that Jock Pedersen hadn't had his ring yet and thought, oh, well, the Cubs are playing in, in June at Dodger Stadium. You know, surely that's going to be when he gets his ring. And I think a lot of us expected that. But they went one step further and they gave Champ a ring as well. Uh, his uh, Champ is, is Jock's brother, Um I, I, I don't want to use any terms that that might uh, that might offend people, um, so I'll I'll sort of stay with uh, Champ is is handicapped. I think he is Jock Pedersen's slightly older brother, but he was around the Dodgers organization throughout Jock's tenure with us, uh, and he was a 
real character. He was always out on the field with uh, with Jock, and um, I I just loved seeing them. Uh, I, I I loved seeing that, and it, again, it makes me proud to be um, associated uh, with this organization, to be a fan of this organization. Uh, they constantly find ways to show that they are decent people. Um, and I was, I was, I was made up with, I was made up with that. Yeah, no, that was a, a classy touch from them. Um, I suppose my, I mean, I would echo that, those highlights. And another one for me um, was, was, I mean, we all know that, um, you know, sticking inside and, and just watching TV is unhealthy and that you should be out getting fresh air and, and seeing people and spending time with others. And and for me, having been to a, a game, not a Dodgers game, but I but I did go to a Padres game back in I think I think 2017 or 2018 when we were on holiday in San Diego. And um, you know, it, it's lovely watching the games recently to clearly see how many people in San Diego are now getting out of their homes and getting some fresh air. Cause certainly when I went to see the game in San Diego, the stadium was only about a quarter full. So I think it's, you know, it's delightful that all these people, I mean, I, I can't think it's anything to do with the fact that suddenly maybe they have a, have a team that can win a few games and, and maybe they think it's worth supporting, but, but um, surely that wouldn't be the case anyway. Um, I suppose my 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 thoughts on on the week. Um, I just wondered whether people were were thinking whether the teams were thinking of of whether it was a, a clear strategy to try and get at the Dodger pitching early. Um, because if you look at the at the the three losses to the to the Padres, they scored in the first game when they won four two. They scored all four in the first. The next one when they won three two, they scored two in the first. The third game they scored two in the first. And indeed, when the Cubs um, beat us in the in, in the no hitter, they also scored scored one in the first. Now I know, you know clearly over nine innings, a lot can happen, but it, it just struck me as as people were coming out and swinging and and, and trying to get on top early, and um, whether that's because they think that the um, the bullpen. And is 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 a, is a weakness at the moment for the Dodgers, and want to get through to that quickly, or whether they think. I mean, we, we know Arias has had a. He he tends to either blitz through games doing unbelievably well, or he has a habit of giving up two or three runs, often home runs in the first inning. And whether they've just decided, right, we'll have a go from the off and try and get up, and it and it and it was and it and it worked for them. I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see how the the games pan out over the next week, particularly with 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 the Giants coming up as well, and whether people are are seeing as that is a a way to go for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. I think I used the phrase on the podcast last week. It could be a possibly a season defining week. I was hoping that was going to be season defining in a in a, in a positive way. Um, but um, but I'm still I'm still confident. I'm still optimistic. Um, I've dug out um, a sort of preparing for tonight, and it's a few years old now. It was, a, but it was it was an article in Business Insider, and it, it was well, say a few years old. It's actually ten years old now, but I think it's still relevant. So they were they were looking at the the number of uh, of wins needed to get into the postseason and they they their analysis said that if the teams that got got 94 wins something like 99 percent made the playoffs but then the drop off if you went down to 93 wins it was just over half made the playoffs so there's a real sort of cut off magic number there of 94 and if you look at, at, at i mean 
all three of the Giants, the Dodgers and the Padres, if you look at what they would therefore need to win in the next, in the remainder of the season to hit the magic 94, they're all, that their, their win percentage is, is comfortably ahead of what they need for the remainder of the season. So they're all on track for that. The only other team in the, in the National League currently not leading their division and playing above 500 gets ball are, are the Cubs. Um, and interestingly, for them to hit the magic number of 94, they've actually got to improve their win loss rate going forward so they've got to do better than they've been doing so basically the only three who are kind of i'm not going to use well cruising makes it appear too easy to do but but i know we've talked about it i think a few weeks ago but you could almost call it now that the the wild card game is going to be whoever finish up second and third in our division with the winner of the wild card game then playing whoever wins that division it just has the air of a sort of a number one seed and the two wild cards written all over it but Given that we've had so many people injured uh, and haven't been playing particularly brilliant, to still be not just there in our own division, but there across the National League as a whole, you, you sort of think, you know, we can't, we can't keep leaving this many people on base. We can't keep sort of like playing this. I know it's not badly, but you know what I mean, relative to what we've been used to. We, we, we've got to start, you know, people coming back from injury, I don't know. I, I still think we're going to be all right by the end of the by the end of the regular season. Yeah, and I, you know we've we've discussed we've discussed this uh, you know a couple of times, and we have had a terrible run of injuries. You know, how many times in previous years have we heard have we heard the Yankees talk about? Oh well, if Stanton and Judge were healthy, we'd be a much better team. We're still competing uh, with our big guys. With, with our big guys out now, they start. You know they are starting to come back, and uh, hopefully Seager, uh, hopefully Seager is is going to be back soon as well. I we've had to deal with an awful lot, and we have relied heavily on some pretty impressive starting pitching. To go back to the point you make there, you made there a minute or two ago about whether it's a tactic to go after the Dodger pitching early. Um, it's baseball is a is a is a funny sport. So certainly you can come out with a more aggressive mindset. Sure, you can think right. You know what? These guys are not going to walk us, so we have to come out and we have to hit. But it's probably a bit more than that in the fact that they've probably got they've probably got strategists who've identified that they are mo- that these individual batters are most likely to see this type of pitch in this location um, in certain counts. The level of analysis in baseball is phenomenal. And I think what we're seeing is potentially teams starting to find ways to poke holes in what is an otherwise really dominant uh, starting rotation. Um, obviously, you could also argue that the decline has coincided uh, with, and this could be in a whole different other conversation. Um, you could also argue that that, that it that, that the decline in performance and the loss of control has come at the same time as MLB started clamping down on the use of sticky stuff. Um, so the, 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 there are many reasons uh, why it could be the case. I would like to think it's more, it's more to do with teams getting better at identifying um, opportunities for you know to, to go after our hitting than to go after our pitching or anything else. And that would be consistent with 
the pitch is changing their approach and becoming better later in the game. If that makes sense. So, yeah, and I think there's also, I mean, we, we talked about it on one of the very, very early, um, early pods. The kind of is the, I was going to call it the myth, but might probably might still be the right word. The myth of the sort of world season, world series hangover. And, and, and teams sort of struggling in the year after and whether that is how you know how how real that is and I think one of the one of the stats because I've just pulled it up one of the stats we had before before was that when you looked at pitching um an, an ERA you know the, the Nationals ERA the year after they'd won it was was worse by almost one over the year when they did win it Red Sox was similarly bad Cubs bad Royals not quite so bad, but 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 the other three, the Nationals, the Red Sox, and the Cubs, were, were all significantly worse than the year before. If you look at those those what four that I just quoted, Nationals, the Red Sox, Cubs, and the Royals, and compare it to us, yeah, our our ERA has fallen off a bit from um, from from last year, but nowhere near as much as the other teams did. So, I, I whether there is a World Series hangover, I, I, I still don't know. I think we're just I think we had a very good year last year and we're having a good year this year, just not quite as very good, if you, if you see what I mean. Um, and, and you're right. I think, I think the injuries have been, have been crippling, um, but we're still, we're still, you know, as I said, still in a good position despite the injuries, which goes back to, again, a point we've made a number of times, just about the, the depth, the depth that this team or this squad has, um, which is, yeah. it was a, which, which is interesting with the, um, with the trade deadline looming and, and what we do or don't, need to strengthen or try to strengthen um in terms of injuries too that that stood out to me in terms of injury updates um Seager is still as of I think, looking earlier today still feeling soreness so they still don't have a rehab date for him but more positively Corey Knable who we spoke about when he originally went off injured and whether he would actually make it back this season he's now starting a, re- a targeting a return by the end of August which certainly, if we if we if we're concerned about bullpen weakness, um, him coming in at that point to to help with a postseason run could be could be perfectly timed. Particularly if if any of the others start to you know it's it's a long season. If anybody else starts to um, um, starts to struggle a bit with injuries or needing a few games out, so so that could could help for us. Um, no one of the big no names that's. One of one of the big names that's been talked about, or, or was talked about up until very recently, as possibly being on the block, was going to be good old Max down at the Nationals. But given the run they've had recently, plus his whole you know association with them, I don't think he'll be on the block anymore. Um, but who, you know, where would you, where would you like to see us strengthen the strengthen the the team? Any specific specific positions, or indeed any specific players that you think would fit well? Um, so I, I'm going to shy away from specific players uh, simply because I, um, I, I think it, I, I, if I'm approaching this, I'd be looking to solve certain certain problems. Um, and uh, so every team is after a quality reliever. Uh, you know, every team. You know, you, you might already have the best bullpen in uh, in Major League Baseball. I still think that everyone would take a quality reliever um, yeah. at the right price uh, should should one become available. So it's interesting with you mentioning Knable coming back, but that's still likely to be um, six to eight weeks away. And yeah, a couple still, of months. Uh, yeah, uh, you're right. And 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 how long 
uh, that would that would that would take. And we've seen a series of guys get brought up and sent back down again. Uh, the likes of uh, Uceta, uh, Santana. Obviously, he's moved mm-hmm. on now. Um, there are other names uh, uh, who've come up. So I, I still think that we're. I still think that we're. We would be in the market for a quality reliever. Uh, I think you know Kenley's. Kenley's pretty much turned the corner. He's he's getting back towards, uh, t- towards what we all know he can be. So there's no longer any that you know there shouldn't be any uh, linking us with top draw closers. I think he's proven that he is one of the best in the game, and his and, and his and his stats are backing that up right now. Uh, we're still a bit left-handed uh, in hitting, so I. Th- you know, so a good quality right-handed bat. Um, if one was to be one to be one was to become available, um, I I'd be tempted. Um, whether they would be necessarily an everyday player, I have my doubts. Um, but a good quality right-handed bat um, would be would would be an option. Obviously, that's what Pujols has been brought in for. Uh, to you know, to a certain degree, he's managed to get a bit of extra game time with Muncy's injury, um, but I still kind of think we need a little bit more. We can't just rely on on Albert to to be that right-handed stick off the bench. I still think we need to. I still think we need to have some have somebody else. Um, whether whether Taylor will who's been hitting very well, whether he will um, become that option. Um, I still think he'll play a lot because he always has. It's just that he plays a lot in, in, in different positions. So potentially Chris Taylor. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think those are the two, those are the two, a, right, a right-handed bat and a, and a quality reliever in terms of what I'd give up for it. Um, well, as little as possible, obviously. Um, I, th- I, I think we've got some. I think we've got a couple of current major league players um, who we could, who could potentially benefit from playing more, and who won't play more with us. Um, the likes of uh, the likes of Barnes, the likes of. Uh, Matt Beatty, um, you know, I, I think they, but, you know, realistically, it's going to be prospects that you trade. It's not going to be those guys. We, you know, no one's going to give us a stud right-handed bat for Austin Barnes. So, no. who ironically is a right-handed bat often available from our bench. So. <laughs> yeah, you've, you, you find yourself, you know, sort of, well, I mean, <laughs> There's a you know when you start looking at the teams who are you know with losing records or not just with losing records but but losing records and who would appear to be sufficiently out of touch in their own division that they're not going to claw it back in the way the Nationals did a couple of years ago, um, you know th- there's a reason why they're down the bottom of their division and that's because they're not playing well. So when you look at, at players on the road, on, on those teams who might be available, once you've ruled out their sort of their young guns and and, and, and and all those that are comfortably under contract for many years, you know, you start looking at, at sort of short-term rentals and then you look and go, well, would I, who would I want to give up for, for someone like that? 
Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, you could look at someone like a Nelson Cruz if you're looking for a, for a batter from the Twins, but he, you know, because he's he's 40 and he's a free agent in 2022. But um, but I think we've we've gone down that road with Pujols, and I'm not sure how many more you want of of, of that sort of you know as qualities he may have been earlier in his career. I'm not sure you want that now. Um, well, I, I the other thing with Cruz is he's a specialist DH and has been for yes. about three years. You know, um, he, I don't think he's exactly. played much outfield uh, in in, no. in recent years. So yeah, I think there's yeah. there's an interesting there's there's I I, I heard some stuff the other day about um, about Marte from the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, he's hitting really well in a terrible team, um, and questions as to whether he might whether he might be available. Um, certainly. Plenty of teams would be interested in him. I think, uh, you know, teams looking to looking to make a run and strengthen. He's one of the mm. few players uh, that's playing really good uh, or hitting really uh, really well at the moment. Um, so it'd be so so he's he's someone that a lot of teams would be interested in. Whether we whether we'd mm. be interested, I'm 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 not so I'm not so sure. But um, but he's definitely some someone that we could. Keep an eye out and see yeah. whether um, whether anyone else picks him up. Obviously, what, the what? Astros a few years ago picked up Granky, and we all thought, "Oof, game changer!" Um, and well, it, you know, it proved to be almost as important as them uh, as them banging on trash cans. Well, so. <laughs> indeed, indeed. What about um, what about? I mean, you know, could you see maybe making changes in the in in the in the, the the pitching setup. So, for instance, could could Gonsolin drop from a starter as, as a reliever if we got another, if we brought in another starter? So, so one name, a familiar name for us Dodgers fans that's been bandied around a bit on social media recently is: Would we go after after Kent Maeda and bring him back? Um, having said that, his ERA this year at four point eight five is com- is comfortably the worst of his career. Now, whether whether that's him or whether that's the environment or the coaching and whether if you brought him back, you know, but but it could be you could get him at a, a relative steal given how badly he's playing. But then do you want to take a risk that somebody can't turn it around in a new environment? Um, same, you could look at also with the Twins, you could look at, at Hap, who again is having a worst, you know, his worst career. I think it's worst year since his rookie year, actually, in terms of his ERA. Um, but you're sort of looking in the bargain bin, hoping that you can get somebody that you can turn around that you don't have to give up a lot for. Um, I, I also wondered whether they, I know you, you mentioned earlier, well, we've, we've got um, Kenley as a closer. So, you know, and you're absolutely right, but whether someone like Rodriguez, Rodriguez from the Pirates, um, and then you've got options with people like dropping Price further back down into the bullpen rather than having him towards the end or, or, or Trinan as well. You could maybe play around with their, where they come out and, and have an, a second out and out closer to to help Kenley get through the get through the games. I kind of think we've already got that with Trinan, and and obviously then when with Knavel coming back. Uh, you know, I think I think that I yeah. think I think we're fairly well um, covered uh, in that regard. Uh, like I say, we could always strengthen the bullpen. You know, I I do think our bullpen is one of our is one of our key strengths. Um, but every team, you know, yeah. uh, every team in MLB would take would take an extra would take an extra reliever or two. Um, whether Rodriguez of the Pirates would be available, I don't know. It kind of depends on whether the Pirates ever intend on trying to compete or not. 
I think he's under he's under another few years of control. I'm sure he is. Yeah, he go, he doesn't go into his arbitration year is next year, and then he's not a free agent till 2024. So he's yeah, yeah. You, you need to you need something to be able to prize him out. Yeah, I mean because they, they do have some good young players there at the moment. Um, the, the the names the names right now are, are, are not coming to me, but um, but yeah, the Pirates have got good youngsters. Um, and surely at some point they have to try and compete. You mentioned the World Series hangover earlier on, and I actually think that often times when that occurs, um, it's because the way teams are, are often built in MLB and budgets are often built in MLB, uh, it is to you build to compete for one year. If you're not a top market club, such as you know the Dodgers, the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, uh, it's really hard to actually compete year on year, so you tend to go at, you, you tend to uh, go after it for three or four years, um, and then if it all goes well in year one, then you keep going into year two, and you keep going into year three, um, and then you maybe have a run at the World Series in year four when you've got everyone uh, established and ready to go, uh, and actually what you're seeing more and more often these days is teams start to have running it in year one. It doesn't go brilliantly. So they hang back for a while and keep prospects down. And then they have a bit of a go in year two and then they trade off the prospects because that's not gone well either. Um, and you end up with teams such as the Pirates uh, that just don't compete year after year. They just made the decision that we're not going to compete. And you see it a bit with the likes of the Orioles. Um, I mean, there are some pretty spectacularly bad teams uh, this year the uh, the Diamondbacks obviously have been on mm. um, a, a historically bad run in in recent weeks yeah we do we, we do what we ought to recognize the fact that having had such a historically bad run um, the Diamondbacks not only won a game but they absolutely slaughtered San Diego 10-1 which is a tremendous achievement so congratulations to them Good Indeed. win for them and good news for us. So well, we'll yeah. wait and see. I mean, we we, we talked like uh, it was on uh, last week's pod, wasn't it? And we talked um, about sort of the the front office and the need to sort of trust them. And and we were, you know, let, let, let's let's trust them to do the good job. So we'll wait, we'll wait and see what happens. I think most trade deadlines arrive with um, with a mixture of oohs and ahs and oh, I can't believe they did that and why didn't they do that mixed in with that's brilliant news I, I never saw that coming what what a great trade so you know it, it, it'll be a bit of a roller coaster ride but um i think the beauty of it is is that we don't you know we don't need to do a shed load of uh, you know just just the odd bit here and there would, would would help we've certainly got the talent so we shall no doubt talk about that in future pods once we get past the deadline but but for now we're going to move on and return to what's becoming a bit of a familiar topic which is the unwritten rule and this week I thought we would talk we haven't done a few on on around batters this week we're going to talk about a pitching unwritten rule and specifically that a pitcher shouldn't indicate displeasure or annoyance if one of his fielders commits an error uh, the reason for picking this is um, it was a couple of weeks ago now in fairness but we, we, we didn't do one last week but there was an incident involving ex-dodger Ross Stripling um, now at the Blue Jays when uh, panic 
through or through from third to try and get the the, the batter out at first and through over the head of first place and and and, and Ross Stripling um, somewhat lost it on the mound and and but to his great credit he did come straight out on Twitter afterwards and, and said how completely embarrassed he was about it and that um, uh, and with, with a lovely question there about young ball players be better than this so he absolutely owned his his his, his error um, and didn't try and hide away from it but um, having as somebody who's never played baseball I'll hand over to somebody who plays regularly and and, and Ian what what are your what are your thoughts on this particular I mean, it's, for me, it's, it makes sort of perfectly common sense and sort of decency. And, you know, as a pitcher, you can have a bad game and you don't want your fielders blaming you. So the reverse should be true. But but what are your thoughts? And so this is an interesting one, because I think the vast majority of the unwritten rules that we've discussed so far are, uh, are completely commonplace, observed, uh, you know, in, in the grassroots level of baseball that I play in this country. This is probably an exception to that rule. I do think that um, we can be quite quick to we can be we can be quite quick to to criticise poor fielding. Um, that being said, you know the errors are often a, a little worse than in MLB. Um, the, uh, the the pitchers at our level that you know they, it would be very common for them to throw a lot of pitches anyway. Um, so that uh, we had uh, Jose pitch game one for us today, and Jose's Jose takes the game very seriously. He's a very talented pitcher, uh, and I think uh, and he threw I think about 130 pitches today. Um, he he actually had a clicker uh, counting counting balls and strikes. Uh, obviously, he wasn't using it, but he had someone on the side doing it for him. Um, and I think when you 120 pitches through an outing, and uh, and you get what they consider a, a, a poor error, then then maybe you get that. I would say actually that didn't occur with Jose today at all. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I, I've definitely seen I've definitely seen pitchers get very annoyed with their defense uh, at, the, at the game I play at. Um, I agree with you. It's a rule that it's an unwritten rule that I that 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 I'd like to see observed and that we should do better uh, should do better on. Uh, I would imagine that those people who've started playing at a younger age. Um, would get would get this quite quickly, you know, because I think it's a, apart from anything else, it's a really good um, stress management tool while you're pitching on the mound uh, to not openly show you. You, you don't want to give the opposition any 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 indication that you are not in control of anything, including your emotions. And if you're going to throw your glove down on the floor and start shouting at a third baseman who's just overthrown first base, then you are losing control. The other team are getting to you, and you don't want to give them that advantage. So I think that's kind of the way I look. That's kind of the way I look at that one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think, and and, and not just the psychological advantage, but if you are letting your emotions get carried away with you like that, then when you when you return to the mound and you're trying to stay calm and and get a perfect pitch in exactly where you want it in the zone the next ball it's going to be a hell of a lot harder if your heart rate's going a million times faster than normal and your temper's fraying and you're getting all hot onto the collar so um yeah i think it's um no, for any no number of reasons it. no it, no, no doubt about that. it it's all it's all about breathing posture uh keeping control you know it, like you say uh anything that gets the adrenaline up too much uh makes it really hard to uh, to throw to throw that baseball yeah 
yeah particularly when you haven't got anything anything sticky in your hand to help you but as you say that might be another that's probably another topic for another week um so that brings us to uh predictions for the week ahead um so we've got the final game against the cubs tonight and we don't normally give a prediction for the game that's being played on the day we're recording we've then got two games against the giants who are as we speak four and a half games ahead of us and then we've got the first uh, three of a four-game series in Washington against the Nationals. And they are currently, well, as I said earlier, they've turned it around a bit recently because they've won seven of their last ten. Um, so they're having a bit of a bit of a uh, making a good stab of it at the moment. So we've got five games to call that uh, call then two against the Giants, three against the Nationals. Um, what do you reckon? It's a no. It's a no-win situation. It's. Uh, yeah, I don't mean that we won't get any wins. Um, I'm really struggling to. I'm really struggling to pick out. Um, pick out these at the moment. I feel like no logic that I apply to it has has actually worked uh, with any with any success so far. Um, you'd think that you know the Giants, the Dodgers' biggest rivals. You'd think the guys would be up for it. The guys would be ready. We're going to go out there firing um i guess we're going to have uh bauer and arias um pitch those uh games. bueller i would have thought bauer and bueller because arias bueller, pitched is yeah that's right Sorry, last yeah. night because he got he broke his um career yeah we should say congratulations to him for breaking his career record for strikes and strikeouts in a game so yes i think it was bauer and bueller 12 wasn't it yeah yeah very impressive uh yeah you're right so yeah so 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 bauer and bueller i mean uh solid <laughs> solid pitching if we can get some hits behind it yeah it looks as um, though we'll be up against i don't know how you say his name this scaffold yeah who's currently yeah, so, uh, eight, eight and two with a 2.7 era and then gaussman who's eight and one with a 1.49 era so we're going toe to toe in terms of pitching quality really kevin gaussman is is not going to keep that up for the season right <laughs> i mean he's 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 been pitching out of his skin. He's been superb this year. Um, he's actually someone I've had, you know, had my eye on in the past um, because I play fantasy baseball and he's a pitcher that I've had a few times uh, over the years. Um, the, it, this is beyond ridiculous. The numbers that he's that he's that he's producing compared to normal, he's probably under half his career average ERA. Well, well his, yeah, you, you're right. His ERA, his career average ERA is 4.01. And he's at 1.49 for this season. Um, you know, he's not had anything. What was his best before then? 2.87. You know, he was, he's been under three once in his career. Um, so, yeah, he's um, playing yeah. a blinder. Or, you know, all credit to him. Yeah, no, this is a... a, a uh, Dislafani, um, he's, um, I think he's had a couple. He's got he's had a couple of stinkers mixed in, um, but for but for the most part, he's been impressive. Um, uh, so, yeah, like for like pitching, it's going like for like pitching. We're we're at home against the Giants though, and we've got fans back in. I feel like that's gonna it's gonna lift it's gonna lift the guys. I think. Um, so I'm gonna, I'll stick my neck out and say that we're gonna sweep the Giants. We're gonna win both the games against the Giants. 
Um, I, I think one of them is going to be incredibly non-pretty. I think it might be. <laughs> I think it might be. I don't know, two two one, um, but it's going to be a game with lots of runners left on base for both teams, and that would be that would be my prediction for that. Jansen comes in and, and gets the save, and then the other one I think will will have a bit of a a bit of an easier time I think, and we'll probably win seven two. So I'll, so I think I'll, I'll go I'll go for that for the Giants. Um, the Nationals are a different kettle of fish. You don't know what you're going to get from one game. Uh, to the next with them. Um, do you happen to know if we're running into Scherzer uh, during during those games? Well, that's a that's a good question. And actually, as we're recording this, they're they're playing live now against the the Marlins, and he started tonight. He went six innings, five hits. So my very crude mental arithmetic suggests that yes, we probably are going to come into him on the second or third of that series second or third game of that series right okay yeah i mean i guess we're, we're always likely to so um okay so five games i've already predicted we're going to sweep the giants and i'm gonna go with a i think we're going to lose the series in washington two to one um so i'm going to say that we're going to be three and two for the week well, I'm going to go three two as well, but with a slightly different makeup. I think we'll 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 split the series against the Giants, and then I think we'll have we'll we'll be we'll win the two of the first three, and I think we'll win three of four against the Nationals, but we'll win two of the three in the week ahead. So um, so I'll go for three two as well. I mean, it's if we want to put a run together, and I know we can all wish this and all the rest of it, but if we want to put a run together, if we want to close that gap, it's teams like the Giants, the Giants, Nationals. We've got to be, you know, with with their record, we've we've got to be either sweeping or or only losing one game in a series. That's the, you know, when you when you went back two or three years and Sports Illustrated had had the Dodgers had the Dodgers on the cover as you know are they the greatest team ever and they went that long extended streak without even without losing a series something from the late spring onwards or early summer onwards or something silly like that. It, if we're going to turn it around, those are the kind of series we've got to be dominating. So, um, yeah, split the Giants and then and then get ahead on the, against the Nationals. But we shall see. Uh, who knows with this team at the moment? Um, in terms of UK-friendly times, sadly, there aren't any over the week ahead. The next one is actually this time next week. So it will the game will uh, possibly already have finished by the time we record again because it's a, a 4.05 p.m. UK time um, on the 4th of July against the Nationals and in fact we should probably just take this opportunity to wish all of our American listeners uh, an early but very happy 4th of July given that you won't hear us again until after the 4th of July so enjoy your um, your weekend this time next week um, but and otherwise we, we can think, get out too <laughs> well yes indeed Indeed. Yeah. Seeing all the, 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 the footage of people in nearly full stadiums with no masks and enjoying themselves. It'd be lovely to be able to get out like that. But uh, we shall get there. We shall get there. Um, any other thoughts or anything else you'd like to add this week, Ian? Um, you know, I was in a situation today uh, where it was um, it was I was batting. It was two outs, uh, bottom of the second, uh, two outs, two, two count. Um and the score was two all, um, and it just made me think of Vince Scully, 
you know. Um, and I, I've not really got anything to say about Vince Scully other than the fact that he is, uh, you know, a legend of broadcasting. Um, someone who, someone whose voice just seems to bring that kind of um, soothing reassurance that only a favourite grandparent can uh, <laughs> uh, can bring. And you know, uh, it, 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 in that situation, Vince Scully would always say, "Deuce is wild," um, and. Uh, I just, I, I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to say, um, I just wanted to say how much I love Vince Scully, I suppose, you know, I've not got anything of any substance or any, or anything to sort of follow it up with. Um, but, you know, he gave me as a, as a learning Dodgers fan, you know, someone learning about the game. Uh, I used to love listening to him go off on tangents uh, about the history of the, the history of the Dodgers organization I used to love some of the facts that he would come out with about the players who were uh, players who were playing, um, and yeah, I mean, I I, I still miss him. Um, you know, I think um, I I love Joe da- Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser. I I I do. I think that I think they're fantastic together. Um, but there's only one Vince Scully, and um, I'm glad that they've they've not tried to sort of follow on from what he was from from what he was doing in any way other than the fact that they present the game you know they 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 refer they refer back to him often um and i think that uh i listen to other i listen to other teams broadcasters and you know the personalities that come through and i um i just think another example of the dodgers getting the right people in the right jobs um, so Vince scully for however long tough act to follow um and then they brought in brought in joe and oral but yeah that's that that's kind of all i wanted to all, all i wanted to say on the matter really well that's a that's a that's a cool way to end the show so all so i won't try and add to it other than to say thank you to everyone for listening and remember the dodgers remain reigning defending undisputed thanks a lot goodbye <laughs>